This is Church on the Rock, where Jesus is our message and people are our heart. Tune in to hear a teaching that we pray inspires and encourages your life with Christ. Amen. As we keep the lights at a low for just a minute, mothers, I just want to say what incredible people women are. I was thinking about Timothy in the, in the scripture saying about how his grum, grandmother taught him and how his grandmother taught his mom and then how his mom taught him and how your children are carrying out the things that you've instilled in a mother's. You are incredible people. And even think about it, if you're here today as a mother and your husband's not on the same page with you, um, Timothy's dad was a Greek and um, and so they may not have been on the same page all the time, but look what she raised. Mothers, you're incredible people. I was reading in the book of uh, Philippi, and Dave's been helping me study the book of Philippi. And uh, in that city, there was no church. But yet there were some women outside of church by a river that had a prayer meeting. And, and we think that... Uh, uh, was it Deborah, Dave? Lydia. We think that Lydia was the first convert that opened up all of Europe. A woman. So first of all, there were women praying because there was no church. And there were women praying. And that's what Paul uh, went to as he found this women's prayer group. And then Lydia got saved. And then Paul and Silas got thrown in jail, and that whole jail got saved because of that circumstance he was in. And they think that uh, it's possible that Lydia was the first place that a church was that opened up uh, Europe. Women, you are so important in the things of God. And I want to reiterate what my wife said, that women are created in the image and the likeness of God, just like a man is. The Bible says that he created male and female in his image. And so we salute you, women. We honor you today, and we bless you. Father, I just pray blessing. If you're a woman when you and something like that happens, uh, when somebody speaks blessing, just say, amen, I received that. Father, I speak blessing to the women. I speak strength to women today. I speak your goodness and your kindness to just overflow within them today. I, I just speak your, your love and your compassion. And Lord, I pray that every woman would be comforted today and glad that they came to the house of the Lord in Jesus' name. Hey, before the kids are dismissed, I want all the parents to stand up that has kids in the service. And you can turn the lights on if you want. If kids have not been dismissed yet, what kids are going to children's church today? You guys all stand up with your mom and dad. Stand up with your mom and dad if you're going to children's church today. Before you leave, before you leave, I want you to put your hands on your mom. Amen. I want all the kids, before you leave today, put your hand on your mom and say, Mom, I thank God for you. And I praise God for you today. Thank you for being my mom, and I love you with all my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Give these kids a hand. You can go to kids' church today. Praise the Lord. We're going to be uh, concluding our series on words today, and I usually I preach uh, about 
um, Mother's and Mother's Day, but I felt the Lord impressed to, to stay on this topic of words, and I got to thinking while I was looking through it, it's really, uh, mothers, I encourage you to, as you're hearing the word today, uh, see how you can uh, implement this as being a mom, and I think it's really powerful in that way. If, if you're a mom today, this kind of could be a special message to you, because it gives keys and it gives uh, answers and solutions on how to use our words for our family. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. If you have your Bible, just hold it up. If you have your cell phone, that your Bible's on your cell phone, just hold it up and say, Lord, we thank you for the word today. We thank you that this word is a light into my path. It's a lamp for me, Lord. And Father, I pray that this word would penetrate my heart today and that I'd forever be changed. Lord, today I don't want to be just a hearer of the word. I want to be a doer of what God's word says today. Touch me, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Words according to the Bible have the power of life and death. If I didn't know the Bible said that, that would be hard to believe that our words have that much power and that much potential with what they can or can't do. But the Bible says, and in, in, in Proverbs 18.21, it says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And the Message Bible says this. It says when it comes to words, your words, the Message Bible says they either kill your words, the words out of your mouth that, that, that you're giving out to people, your words either kill or your words give life. The Bible says that they are either poison or they are fruit. How many want fruit? Amen? And then the Bible says you choose. How many want to choose fruit today? How many want to choose life? Tell the Lord. Give the Lord a hand clap today and say, Lord, we want to choose life and we want to choose fruit with our lips. You know, uh, I, I've made a, a resolution. I have, I have made up my mind that I'm going to get this thing under control. Anybody out there say amen. I believe we have to work with God. Remember the Bible that, that, that we learned a few weeks ago that the tongue is humanly untamable. Everybody say humanly. It's humanly untamable, but it's divinely tamable. Amen. How many, right now, I want us just to say, Lord, we cooperate. Say that. Say, Lord, we cooperate with bridling our tongue. Amen. Say that again. Lord, we cooperate with you. We cooperate with you because the Bible says this. May the words of my mouth, may the words of my mouth, may the words of my mouth in the meditation of my heart, I want it to be pleasing to you. Last week, I hit real quickly what kind of world do you want to live in? You form the world with your life, with your words. What kind of children do you want to be? What kind of a husband do you want? What kind of a business do you want? Last week we said we have to align with God's word. And how many know that God's word is his will? So when we look at God's word and we see what does he want for my children? What does he want for my marriage? What does he want for my business? What we do is we hear God's word because his word's his will. Amen? His word's his will. So we hear it, we align with it, and then we agree with his will. So what we do is we, with our words, we take God's word and we begin to confess it with our mouth. And who accomplishes the word? Everybody say God accomplishes the word. You, you know, the Bible says in Romans 4, 17, it says, as it is written, 
So what you do when you need a promise from the, when you need something from the Lord, you get an as it is written. You get something from the word. It says, as it is written, I've made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who believed God. And then it says this, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which be not as though they are. I want to reiterate that one point this, this week. It's God that creates It's God that calls those things which be not as though they are. What our job is, is to not stagger in faith. What our job is, is to come in agreement and keep confessing with our mouth and believing with our heart what God says. That's how you get saved, is you hear the word, and then you confess it with your mouth, and you believe with your heart, and God saves you, amen? It's the same thing with all of God's principles. You align, you agree, and then God accomplishes it. Amen. I want you to say that with me. Say, we align, then we agree. You know, Amos 3.3 says, unless two walk together, they can't be in agreement. How many want to walk with God? We align, we agree, and then fist bump your neighbor and say, God accomplishes it. Fist bump your neighbor and say, it's God that accomplishes it. But, guys, I I wanted everybody to realize it's God that accomplishes it, but I also want to say this. It's okay to say things with your mouth. Because Mark chapter 11, verse 22, it says, have the God kind of faith. How many want the God kind of faith? It says, have the God kind of faith. You know, we've been given authority as believers to establish God's word in this earth. And we establish that with our words, or you could say you establish that with prayer. But Mark eleven twenty two 22 says, have the God kind of faith. You can look at a mountain or a circumstance or a situation and it says, and say to this mountain, everybody say, say, and say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast in the sea. And it says, if you doubt not in your heart, but believe what you say, it will be done unto you. So brothers and sisters, I'm not saying don't, don't say things, but I'm just saying that, that know that when you say it, it's God. And, and really that makes it more powerful. Because God, the Bible says this, that God looks after his word to perform it. How many of you can perform a miracle? How many of you can perform a healing? But you can believe the word and confess it with your mouth, and God can accomplish that. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, and bringing things to a conclusion today, I want to ask a few questions. First thing I want to say is, I guess it's more of a statement. It's not wrong, because we've been talking so much about getting control of your tongues and watching what you say. But listen, it's not wrong to talk to someone about a problem, a challenge, or a trial, or a situation that you're going through. You know, some people think, well, I've got to... We're not talking about new age here. We're not talking about positive thinking and, and, and that kind of stuff. We're not new age and stuff. It's okay to talk to people and be real. If you're not feeling well about something, say you're not feeling well about something. If, you're, if something is troubling you, then it's, it's all right to talk to somebody and, and confide in them that something's troubling you. It, it, it's not a lack of faith. It, it's not a, a lack of believing God if you have a day when, not, when you're not feeling so up. When you're not feeling so good about stuff. Those are the times where you need to do this. Seek out some wise counsel. 
Come on, seek out some wise counsel. And I wrote this, don't only seek out wise counsel, but be a giver of wise counsel. So, so sometimes you need to seek it out. You need an encouragement. You need a friend to talk to, a friend to help you. How many of you have needed a friend? Hey, if you're going through something with your marriage, if you've lost your job, if you've lost your income, if you've, you need someone to talk to. You need a friend. You need somebody that's wise counsel. If you're in a marriage situation where it's plummeting low, you need some wise counsel. And sometimes somebody needs you to be wise counsel. So there's two things here. Sometimes we need wise counsel, and sometimes we need, come on, we need to give wise counsel. Sometimes, I, I, sometimes I've, people find what I call Job's comforters. Job's comforters are people that only say what you want to hear. Sometimes when a husband is seeking counsel from another man on how he needs to do something with his wife, sometimes we want to find somebody that'll say, ah, it ain't you, man, it's her. I don't know how you live with that. Sometimes the woman will will find somebody that'll just agree with her. Sometimes we'll be going for marriage counseling to somebody that's on their fourth marriage and not having a good marriage on their fifth one. Are you with me today? Seek out wise counsel. Here's wisdom. If you ever want to know what's wise counsel, man, this is good preaching. This is better preaching than your amen. If you ever want to know what wise counsel is or how to give wise counsel, write this down, James 3.17. Write that down. Write that down. If you ever want to, to, to distinguish if what somebody's telling you is wise, If you want to run a test to see if what you're saying is wise, look at this. But the wisdom from above is first pure. When you're listening to counsel or you're giving counsel, first of all, it's got to be pure. This is good. This is good. We get so messed up on this kind of stuff. First, it's pure. Then it is also peace-loving. If you're giving counsel or receiving it, it ought to have some peace in it. Blessed are the what? Peacemakers. Uh, it, it, should have, it should be gentle. If you're ever receiving counsel or giving it, it ought to be gentle at all times. And willing to yield. Yielding is something none of us like to do. We always want our way, and if you're not our way, you're the enemy. Wise counsel is a buddy saying, hey, man, you got to pick your battles. You need to yield and love your wife more than what you want. That's wise counsel. It's peace-loving, it's pure, and it's convincing people to yield. You know, sometimes you just need to say, okay. Sometimes when when we're into stuff, we always want to say, oh, oh, but but I meant this. I I wanted to say this. Or zip it. Sometimes we just need to say, okay. Even if if you, sometimes people are having a bad day or something, and what they're doing is wrong. Just give people a get out of jail free every once in a while. Don't make an issue out of everything. Yield. 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 Wisdom is full of mercy. It's full of mercy. 
and the fruit of good deeds. Wisdom doesn't show favoritisms. Wisdom is always sincere. Brothers and sisters, sometimes you need to be a giver of wise counsel, and sometimes you need to seek out. But find someone who is trustworthy and able to keep confidence. The Bible says in Proverbs eleven thirteen, it says, A talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals the matter. Don't trust these kind of people. Don't trust these kind of people. If people whisper to you, they will whisper about you. If they whisper to you, they will whisper about you. Be careful of these talebearers. Hey, brothers and sisters, we live in a day and an age where we need to ask the Lord. We need to say this. I, I, I hope you say this. Lord, I need someone to talk to that's trustworthy and that can, can conceal a matter because I need to talk to somebody. I need to talk to somebody that's not going to... I hear this all the time. Well, uh, they told me not to tell this, but you're my best friend, so I'll tell you. But don't you tell anybody. Don't say a word about this. And then they tell that one. And then that one has his two or three and says, hey, you're my best friend. Don't say this. But thus, next thing you know, 50 people know it. You can't. It, guys, people need some people that are trustworthy. People need people that are able to conceal a matter. Because they need free. Brothers and sisters, the Bible says in James that we need to confess our faults one to another. Pray ye one for another that you may be healed. I believe that's talking about emotional healing. We need to be able to find somebody who is faithful. We need to be faithful. We need to be able to have someone who's faithful, and then somebody needs you to be faithful, because people need to talk. And brothers and sisters, the reason it says confess your faults, that means faults is something you're doing wrong. So I'm telling you, every one of us are born with a God-given conscience. You don't need a bony finger in your face telling you what you're not because your conscience always tells you what you're not. For most people, a fault is a mistake. A fault is a shortcoming. A fault is something you've messed up. Brothers and sisters, please hear me. Please hear me. We got to be able to be trustworthy, be able to talk to each other, because nobody in this room can, be alone, can stand alone. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, read it, it says two are better than one. For if one falls, who's going to pick him up? When one lies down cold, when there's two, they can be warm. It says when a one-fold cord can be broke, a two-fold cord stronger, but a three-fold cord can't even be broke at all. We need each other. I'm passionate about this. I am so passionate that we've got to get a hold of our mouths because it's not wrong to talk about a problem or a situation, and don't think you're out of faith by doing it. I remember going to a meeting one time when I was learning about faith and believing God for miracles, and I believe in that. I believe in that. I, re, I remember it. 
but I happened to have a cold. And I finally, I was in this, it was a conference, and, and I had a cold. I mean, it would itch, and, and, and my throat would start itching, and, and, and my nose would, would be running. And boy, you didn't dare get a handkerchief out and blow your nose. And you didn't dare cough be, I, I, because I, I let a few slip. I let a few. <coughs> and then I finally had to get, it was really itching, and I had to go. <coughs> and I, I, I promise, I'm not thinking about this. The, the faith teaching was so strong in that church that they all went like this. Who's the guy with no faith that's sick today? I finally had to leave because I, I was coughing. Does that mean I don't believe in healing? Of course I believe in healing. It's not, I, 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 can't, heal, I can't heal anybody. But I can introduce you to the one who can. And I can stand and believe with you. Are you all with me today? Number, here's the next one. See, we're talking about good things from our mouth. Well, I'm up here saying, is your mouth going to be poison? Or is it going to be fruit? Is your mouth going to kill? Or is it going to give life? See, I, I felt God really say that. I felt God say this. Brian, really bring a balance on that last sermon on this. That's why we're doing it today. Really bring a balance on this. Is it okay to speak the truth in love? Is it okay because, um, is it okay? Does watching our words mean that we never say anything that's hard or that's truthful and only say what's good and what we want to see? See, I don't want to get crazy with this to where you, oh, he coughed, he coughed. Oh, he said something. What, what do you do with that? What, what do you do with that? It, it, is being good with our words, does that mean we never confront? Does that mean we never challenge? Does that mean that we never address something? Does that mean that we never disagree? No, it doesn't. We need to be able to receive. We need to not only speak Listen, we need to not only speak the truth in love, listen, but we need to be able to receive the truth in love. It's one thing to be accountable, and it's another thing to be correctable. It's easy to say, oh, make me accountable, brother. Ooh, I need accountability. Oh, it went through in the 80s. Oh, we need accountability. We need mentorship. I believe that. We need accountability. But you know what we need more than accountability? Correctability. Correctability. Are you able to be corrected? Will your pride let you be corrected? Will your ego let you be corrected? Can your wife correct you? Can your husband correct you? Let me ask this. Sometimes our children correct us. Mm-hmm. Listen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make this clear. The Bible says this. Then we will no longer... Guys, he, he, here is the, um, here's the... Here's the overlying or underlying. I don't know which way you're supposed to say it. But here's the umbrella that speaking the truth in love should fall under. 
Okay? It should fall under this. Is Paul looked at people, and you got to be careful with this. I, I'm like, ooh, am I really going to say that? The, 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 the umbrella is this, that we don't want people to be immature anymore. That you won't, don't want people to stay as little infants, but you want them to grow up in the Lord. Now, here's where you got to be careful on that. Oh, boy. Here's where you got to be careful on that, because I've seen this in the church, too. You also got those prideful, know-it-all, Monday morning coaches that's so caught up in themselves that they think they can fix every world problem. They know what the president's doing wrong. They know what the pastor's doing wrong. They know what every work person's doing wrong. They, they, they know everybody's little speck in their life. They know everybody's little thing in their life, but they cannot see the beam in their own eye. That's where you got to be careful that speaking the truth in love. I'm telling you, it comes, it comes out of, man, it, it, guys, when you speak the truth in love, when God speaks the truth in love, it's almost like you're like this. Would you say that again? That felt good. It, it's liberating. It's wrapped with so much love. It, 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 it's, it's, you know that he wants to see me quit sabotaging myself. That, that, that he doesn't want me to suffer anymore. You, you know, I told some people last week, everybody always thinks they're suffering for the Lord. I haven't suffered for the Lord very often. Be honest with you. I don't suffer for the Lord very often. In fact, when I get to suffer from the Lord, when I get to suffer for the Lord... I praise him for it. But most of the time, I suffer because of my mouth, because of a bad decision, or because some choice I made. I'm not suffering for the Lord. Some of you, it's, oh, I'm suffering. So you're hurting yourself. Oh, my. But a person that can really speak the truth in love. If you're hurting the most that you've ever hurt in your life, if we can ever get like God, where we can truly speak the truth in love that we want people to mature, we don't want people to hurt anymore. Man, I hear God like, oh, Brian, I I don't want you to go through what you're going through. I I, I hate to see you like that. But buddy... Doggone it. What's your motive? What's your motive when you speak the truth in love? What's your motive? To me, it's all about speaking the truth. It's all about your heart and your motive. You know, I wrote this down. I think this is powerful. You might want to write this down. Don't just tell me what I'm not. Tell me what I am. God just gave me that this morning. Don't just tell me, Brian, you're not this. You're not this as a pastor. You're not this as a leader. He isn't this. That worship team, they aren't this. We're so quick to always tell everybody what they're not. And it it doesn't come from a pure heart. You're telling your kids what they're not all the time. 
You're telling your husband what he isn't all the time. You're telling your wife what she's not all the time. I think when you speak the truth in love, it hurts you more to say it or you're not saying it right. That's one thing. And I think we need to not just tell everybody what they're not. We need to tell people what they are. And the other thing is, everybody always wants to tell me how I'm not doing something right. Can you tell me how to do it right? Maybe you can show me. Maybe you can show me. Brothers and sisters, when it comes to the things of the Lord, you want to talk about saying scriptures in you want to talk about saying scripture in context? If you guys could put 2 John 1, 3 up. 2 John 1, 3 up. You want to talk about speaking the word in context. Look at this. Look at this, you guys. Grace, mercy, and peace. I want you to see that. Grace. Here's the definition of grace. Unmerited, undeserved, and un- unmerited, undeserved, and unearned. Grace is unearned, it's unmerited, and it's undeserved. So when we speak sometimes, we're speaking like God does to us. You you haven't earned it. It's not merited to you, and it's undeserved. Okay, mercy. Hey, somebody told me a definition. There's a cliche what mercy means. You got somebody telling me what it is. There's a cliche out there. Mercy is when you get punished for something you... Say it loud. Not getting what you deserve. Okay. It's, it's not getting what you deserve. It's mercy and peace. So, so grace, mercy, and peace, which come from God the Father and Jesus Christ, the Son of Father, will continue to be with us who live in what? And what? Speaking the truth in love. So I want to throw one more scripture in here. Look at uh, James 3. This is going to be a powerful point, and we may close with it. You guys having fun today? I, I, I am loving preaching today because I think this is really good stuff. L- listen to this. Um, l- l- guys, hear this real close. This is James chapter 3, and I'm going to read 1 through 3. This is James chapter 3, and I'm going to read 1 through 3 in the NLT. It says, dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach shall be judged more strictly. In studying this James for the last two months, I had to change something in my theology. I always thought that that was God saying this, hey, you know what? Because you're a teacher of the Bible and the things of God, you and Dave and people that are teachers of the Bible, you are held to a stricter judgment. I used to think this, from God. Not from God. It's from man. The stricter judgment Yes, there is accountability to speak the truth. Yes, 
I understand false prophets and teaching the word wrong. But if you read the whole book of James in context, it's talking about relationships and it's talking about using our words. Where we, anytime, listen, anytime you, anytime you get into a place where you are counseling or teaching or having that kind of authority, then there's a stricter judgment on you. People don't give you any uh, leeway. They, they, let me read some more here. It says this. They will, indeed, we all, look at this. It says it, we're judged more strictly. Then it says this. Indeed, we all make mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and also control ourselves in every other way. Remember that scripture I said about grace, mercy, and peace. Remember I talked about, if we're, listen, everybody look at me, this is powerful, we need to know this. If we're going to be people that live in the truth, and that speak the truth in love, then we have to be people that are ready to give grace, ready to be peaceful, and ready to be very merciful. The minute I choose to get involved with a situation, I make myself vulnerable. The minute that a marriage comes and says, will you help me? The minute that a person comes and confides something in me. The minute that somebody comes and tells me about a work situation and they're asking counsel. The minute that somebody comes and and tells me that their business is upside down and they're looking at me to bring a a word of wisdom from the Lord. The, The minute that teachers, listen, the minute that you guys as teachers, the minute that any of us get in that role of counsel or teacher, then you are opening yourself up to being blamed. It's a stricter judgment. You're opening yourself up to be misquoted. Because you've got a husband and spouse at each other's throats, and now one of them's went to talk to the pastor, and now she's got that leverage, or he's got that leverage. Well, pastor agreed with me. Well, I talked to somebody at church on the rock, and they said that you're, they agree, you're wrong. And then you're like, I never said nothing like that. That doesn't even sound like me. That, that's something I wouldn't even say. And then here's what happens. Somebody that you've known your whole life, or that you've led them to the Lord, baptized them in water, um, went to their parties, um, prayed with them when you saw them hurt, tried to encourage them on the phone. Now, because you're a teacher, you're judged more strictly, and somebody's misrepresented you and said something that you didn't even say, now then, you're hated. And you, and a relation is lost that you have forever. It shouldn't be that way, but I see this all the time in the church world. I've been doing this 30 years. It shouldn't be that way. It doesn't just happen to me, it happens to you. 
The minute that you try to get involved. Jesus even said, man, Jesus, it was prophesied in Psalms, and then it happened with Judas. He said, man, the people that I've fed at my table. Hey, some of you mothers, the very bottoms that you wiped and the very mouse that you fed, you did the very best you could. And here's why I like this scripture. Here's why I like this scripture. You know, even if you're, if, if, if you're in high school or, or you're in that college age, let me tell you something that I've seen many times. If you're in high school or you're in that 20s age, here's something I've seen over and over and over. Is you're getting to a place in life where you want to be your own person, where you want to make your own decisions and you're spreading your wings, you're having some freedom. There's always a temptation to where you get set, where you think something's wrong in your life because of something mom said to you or something dad did or some situation that happened when you were seven years old. It seems to hit when you get in high school and when you get in college to where all of a sudden you've got all these things where you think your parents are complete and utter failures and they're from Mars and you're from Jupiter. I mean, it just goes like that. But then when you hit your 30s or 40s, you start seeing, ah, wasn't like that at all. One is because you start having kids yourself and you do this scripture. Guys, I love this scripture. See, moms and dads, you're judged more strictly because you're an authority figure. Pastors, teachers, people that give counsel, you're judged more strictly. But I love that next part. It says, but we all make mistakes. You know what freed me up as a pastor? You want one of my biggest freeing moments as a pastor and it could be yours too, is this. At the end of the day, when you sit down and you say, Lord, this is really screwed up. I don't know how it flew up in this kind of a mess. I didn't mean that, and they thought this, and now I'm receiving these emails, and all this stuff, and I'm like, I didn't, even, I, I didn't even think that. Wouldn't never say something like that. that. That's not even me. Now you're judged. Now you're this. Now you're ostracized. All this stuff. But you know what helped me is when I realized that all you can do as a human being, all you can do as a mom, and all you can do as a dad is you can do your very best. And all you can do at your work is do your very best. And all you can do in relationships is do the very best you can. That, that's all we can do. And if we're going to be people that, that are in truth and love, like that scripture I showed you, then we have to be a people that give each other grace, that give each other mercy, and that try to make peace instead of division. In your families, in your church, in your workplaces, this is the heart of the Lord. 
This is the message of the Bible. This is God when I'm preaching to you today. And you get to a place. And that's why I'm saying everything that comes off your lips in your, in your thing, I put pause, ponder, and pray. Pause a moment. Ponder. Make sure it's really what you think, really what you feel. That's why in anger, that's why it be, says, Mr. Grice gave me a scripture a little while back that says, be slow to anger. Because when you're fast to anger, that's when you make all those mistakes that you have to clean up. But if you pause and ponder, you're not going to have to clean up that mess, marriage, boss to your employees, employees to your boss, friends to friends. If we don't do things in emotionalism, but we pause, ponder, and pray about it. And guys, listen, I think the key, this one set me free. This set faster free. One is be able to set before the, what I have to do sometimes, especially when you get letters and emails and stuff that says, don't even contact me anymore. And you're like, what? You guys, anybody, you ever had that happen to you? You ever had a friend say, don't talk to me anymore? Anybody ever had that? Have you ever had a wife that said, shut your mouth, I don't want to hear you anymore. Get out of my face, just get away from me. Hey, am I, am I just, this is real. You know, sometimes you just have to go and you have to lay your heart before the Lord and he'll show you if your heart was pure. Guys, study that scripture on wisdom in James 3.17. Study that one. And then the other thing is, I still haven't told you what set me free. You know what set me free? I love you, Jane, Karen. You've been friends to me. You've been trustworthy. Where I could conceal a matter to you and you not use it against me. I just saw you back there and wanted to tell you that. Amen. But listen to me. You know what? Jay loves me enough. He's got a way of doing it, but he's like, <laughs> I hate to tell you this, but that's you, that's you, buddy. Oh. Really? You know what set me free? Here it is. Is to know, hey, praise team, you don't have to come up. We're not even going to have an altar call. Listen. Listen. Everybody listen to me. You know what can set you free? This. Realizing that none of us can control this. None of you can. humanly untamable. And with this, you know how it's tameable? You know how, how we make it? You know how we make it? Grace, mercy, and peace. Man, I don't feel like it's getting in. This right here is going to say the wrong thing. What set you free, Brian, is knowing that I don't always give good counsel. 
is knowing that this thing says stuff wrong sometimes. You know what? I've even gotten truths wrong before and thought I was saying the truth. And then you're like, ooh, whoops. But here's, that wasn't my heart too. Are y'all with me? You know what helps you? Don't be, is you're going to make mistakes with this. Your wife's going to make mistakes with this. As a parent, you're going to make mistakes with this. As a friend, you're going to make mistakes with this. As a business owner, you're going to make mistakes with this. Everyone is going to make mistakes with this. But we ha- the, the world that we live in as Christians should be different than the world's world. And the way we're going to exist and cohabitate. You realize some that say they don't ever want to talk to you anymore and they hate you? They love the Lord just like you do. You just had a misunderstanding. We're all going to the same heaven. You all realize we're all going to the same heaven? Okay. So the way we cohabitate and exist is by extending grace and mercy and peace to each other. Guys, I'm not just talking about church. I'm talking about in your home and in your business and in your relationships. I, I really feel that we're, I'm not supposed to just call everybody forward for prayer today. I feel like that everybody needs to make an altar in their seat. I don't even care if we have music, Braden, it's okay. But I just want you to just bow your head before the Lord and just ponder a little bit what's been spoken today and think about it. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Braden, if you want to play a little something, you can. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Thank you, Lord. Can you pray this today? Say, Lord, let the words of my mouth. Lord, let the words of my mouth. To everybody that's in my life. Let them be God honoring. Let them be pleasing. Lord, today, let me extend grace and mercy to somebody that hurt me with their words. Say that today. Lord, let me give grace today. The Lord's telling me that some of you can't even picture some people in your head because they've, you, they've hurt you so bad or you've been so wounded. But I feel like God is putting their face in your mind and healing you right now. And all you're saying is, I want to give some grace. I want to give some mercy. 
And right now, the Holy Spirit's telling me that he's putting pictures of people in your mind that's wounded you and hurt you. That's the Holy Spirit putting them in you. You haven't been able to think about them or picture them. You just kind of avoid that place. Or you don't let yourself go there because it hurts too bad. There's a picture in your head and the Holy Spirit is lovingly putting them in your head right now. So if you have a picture of somebody that's wounded you or hurt you, when Jesus walked on the water at first, they were afraid. And they said, oh, it's a ghost. And Jesus said, hey, don't be afraid. This is me. So if there's a picture, don't be afraid right now. If you have a picture of somebody in your mind that has wounded you or hurt you bad, don't be afraid right now. It's God saying, this is me. And now I want you to say, I release them. I give grace to them. I give mercy to them. We hope this message connected with you. To get more information about Church on the Rock, check out our website at www.cotrag.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Have a blessed day.